Hey, let's talk about... Hang on. Let me drink this rum first. Wait. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, thanks, Captain Morgan. Uh, let's talk about the MCU. Oh, yes. Uh, spoiler alert. As what you've probably been hearing, Phase 4 has been a bit of a mixed bag. Unlike the previous phases, this current crop of Marvel content contained a lot of connected television shows that went along with the films that carried the storyline after Endgame and Far From Home. It's not like Daredevil and Jessica Jones, which existed in the same universe, but was, but was never really part of the main plot. Shows like Loki and WandaVision directly impacted that primary storyline of the MCU after Thanos was defeated. And this is where the mess begins. You had to have watched WandaVision to see why Scarlet Witch went crazy in Multiverse of Madness. You had to see Black Widow to appreciate the appearance of Yelena and Hawkeye. Probably most awkward of all, you had to have seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier to comprehend some of the events and characters during Wakanda Forever. And trust me, I'll get back to Wakanda Forever a bit later. Before, I didn't have to watch Jessica Jones to fully comprehend Captain America Civil War, even though I beg of you to at least watch the first season. David Tennant as Kilgrave is so, so, so good. And I'll even go as far as to say he is the MCU's all-time greatest villain. But now, it just feels like it's too much. Too much drama, too many characters, too many storylines, too many conflicts, and as such plot holes open up concerning the plethora of stories happening simultaneously. Like, if Scarlet Witch was threatening to eradicate the entire existence of the universe, then why is it just Doctor Strange having to save the day and not say... Thor or Captain Marvel? If Thor has to try to battle a literal god slayer, then why isn't he getting any help from, say, the Guardians of the Galaxy or, once again, Captain Marvel? By the way, I have a shaking feeling that Brie Larson is slowly being pushed out of Captain Marvel. Does anyone else notice she hasn't been as connected to the MCU as some of the other actors? The personal stakes from before, they don't really exist. Now all the stakes for almost every MCU story involves a threat trying to end all of humanity. It all feels overbloated, and it never had to be this way. If Marvel had made one specific decision in the end of Phase 3, they should have killed Thanos in Infinity War. You'll likely be asking yourself, why does this particular opinion fall under the themes of this podcast, if it's seemingly one avid movie fan not agreeing with the narrative decisions of a cinematic universe? What does extreme capitalism have to do with this? I'm here to make the case that the reason why Infinity War Endgame exists in its current form was because several contracts were ending and the Disney machine wanted to find the best way to tell a dramatic story with a wild cliffhanger while also treating the two-parter as a giant goodbye to the actors who are no longer going to be part of the story going forward. Or would have been too expensive to remain in the MCU. Of course, they wanted to create a blockbuster that would appeal greatly to the dedicated fans who had spent over a decade supporting the MCU and wanted each major character departing to leave with a dramatic bang. Which is fine and dandy, even if it's a hell of a tall order, except Infinity War 
could have seriously been the greatest comic book movie ever made if it had the guts to deliver one final plot point, which is killing Thanos and never having the endgame film exist in the first place. Infinity War should have been the end of Phase 3, and Phase 4 should have been about the immediate consequences of Thanos' quest, whether or not the writers wanted for Thanos to succeed or to fail, which for fun we're going to dabble into what both scenarios would have looked like. But I personally believe the lackluster results in the very troubled filming history of Multiverse of Madness, Eternals, and especially Wakanda Forever are because the Infinity War Endgame movies searching for the largest possible box office created a gaping plot hole that's almost impossible to properly fill without creating more questions than answers. Not helping was an emerging war going on between Netflix and Disney+, Plus which resulted in decisions made by Chapek and Marvel that would rattle the MCU and make it its most vulnerable since Phase 2. Wakanda Forever is on pace to only reach 75% of the box office enjoyed by Black Panther worldwide, and this is despite a total lack of competition in the theaters. I'm taking you on a journey as we try to figure out where things went south after the nosebleed high of the final battle scene in Avengers Endgame and as we explore the bad decisions made for purely financial reasons and the negative effects it had on the Phase 4 movies and shows, we'll also discuss who should have been the one to kill Thanos on an alternate scenario where Infinity War was going to be the end of Phase 3 and not just become a very long prologue to the epic finale known as Endgame. Welcome to Coffee and a Script, and get a drink! Get a drink. I got mine. I got mine. Because we're going places. And hopefully nobody dies on the way there. Because we all know the MCU nowadays loves killing their characters. Special shout out to the Fallen in the last four years. Like Captain America, Iron Man, T'Challa, Black Widow, Loki, Aunt May, Loki, Half of Asgard, Gamora, Loki, Vision, Heimdall, Wanda's Fake Kids, Lamar Hopkins, Ramonda... Hope you're all doing well as we approach the end of 2022 and we approach the fourth year of this global pandemic, which, believe it or not, is still happening and the consequences of its existence remain strong. Clearly not in the numbers of the terrible world-ending past, but it's still worthy of bringing up because I know there's still millions who aren't fully vaccinated. Without getting too technical, this isn't just a typical flu shot. This is something that's much more effective and it's also much more important because of how wildly devastated this illness can actually be. I'm reaching out for peace and love and for everyone to be as prepared as they can when potentially facing the next wave of COVID infections. Please be safe, all of you. And I do hope that mask wearing when having symptoms or feeling sick becomes a cultural staple similar to what you see in the Eastern Hemisphere. That would definitely cut down on the amount of illnesses. And not just COVID, like beyond, but 
I'm getting too far into the medical field here. Also, while we're on the subject of Disney+, Plus, Netflix, and HBO Max, please support physical media and start purchasing physical versions of your favorite television shows usually found on these streaming services whenever possible. I have a very bad feeling that 2023 will continue this terrible trend of digital shows being erased from the services entirely just to save some money which is a disservice to the customers and also to the creators of these great shows. HBO Max, I'm especially calling you out. You guys are ridiculous. You make so much good content, but you're run by a bunch of jackals and monkeys with typewriters. Believe it or not, we already have an extensive history of programs being saved because of strong word of mouth and strong physical sales. Too bad we saved Family Guy because I think America as a whole would have been significantly better without that show's revival. Anywho, on to the main topic at hand. Chapter 1. The MCU Before Disney Plus. Um, for the record, if you hear raindrops, <laughs> it's because I'm not allowed good recording space. I'm finally recording in good weather. I don't have to sweat in the sun. But now there's rain, and so therefore you might be hearing some drops here and there. I apologize. Cannot afford a studio. The budget of this show is approximately $5 and whatever amount I spend on Starbucks. But chapter one. MCU on phase three is definitely MCU at its absolute peak. No questions asked. It started with Captain America Civil War, which gave us the best <clears throat> kinetic versions of Spider-Man, Winter Soldier slash Bucky, and especially Black Panther. I'm just saying this on an action standpoint. The Russo brothers knows how to direct good action sequences and bring out the best of the heroes. This phase would also give us Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, underrated, Spider-Man Homecoming, underrated villain, the best MCU film known as Thor Ragnarok, I stand by that, and of course the groundbreaking Black Panther with MCU's best soundtrack, and of course Infinity War. This phase consisted of two to three films per year from 2016 to 2019. A manageable schedule, especially when each variation was a critical and commercial success story. With Captain Marvel being a little more polarizing. Brie Larson, babe, you deserve so much better. Where the wheels of the MCU start unraveling begins in January 2019 with the shenanigans involving Sony which resulted in Far From Home being marketed before we even knew what was going to happen in Endgame. It was an early sign of trouble as the MCU expands far beyond Disney's actual control, with arguably the most popular Marvel character still not being fully under Disney's umbrella. We're skipping the incredible success of Endgame, the undeniable success of Endgame, to discuss the status of Disney and their relationship with their properties at this time. By mid-2019, the Star Wars brand was in a little bit of trouble. Marvel and Sony had a falling out with future plans involving Spider-Man, which was risking a billion-per-film franchise disappearing from Disney entirely. And most importantly, the MCU itself had lost its two most popular characters and actors as Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans have moved on. It felt like for a moment 
that Disney wanted Brie Larson to become the real-life representative of the MCU moving forward, along with its new diverse cast. But let's just say Captain Marvel produced some of the MCU's most toxic fans in existence. Of course, Tom Holland is a very desired actor and could have been that new face, but he mostly belongs to Sony, with the Spider-Man brand remaining cinematically in Sony's control. What I'm trying to paint here is a picture where the MCU is in strong standing, but there are cracks forming, especially with the uncertainty of what to do next, especially with Disney Plus launching in November of said 2019. Where I think Disney, Marvel, uh, Iger, and especially Shapek went wrong was deciding that the problem that needed fixing wasn't the MCU's storyline and future, but Disney Plus itself. And my friends, it got rough. It got rough. Chapter 2. MCU under Disney Plus. Phase 3 gave us 11 films in 4 years. Phase 4, the latest phase, gave us 7 films, 2 ongoing streaming shows, and 7 miniseries in 2 years. Phase 3 is approximately 25 hours of runtime. Phase 4, in just a couple years, was... 50 hours. 50 hours. Even the biggest and most dedicated Marvel fans have to admit that this is a problem. A huge problem. An unsustainable problem. And I'm not even including the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which I haven't even seen because I'm still burned out. I think the most painful of the 50 hours came with Wakanda Forever. Black Panther Wakanda Forever had to follow up a film that not only made very good money, but was a cultural benchmark strong enough to earn a Best Picture nomination. The first in the history of the comic book movie genre. And yes, it deserved that Best Picture nomination, even though Roma should have won. I don't care. I don't care. It should have been Roma. It should have been Roma, but you weren't ready to give a Mexican film best picture. Okay, all right, relaxing. But it also had to figure out how to prove its necessary existence in the first place because they had lost essentially the heart and soul of the entire Black Panther franchise with Chadwick Bosman's untimely and absolutely tragic passing. On top of that, Wakanda Forever had to find a way to catch up to the Phase 4 timeline, being behind six narrative years, including Thanos' snap and all the after effects. Black Panther Wakanda Forever, I'm willing to argue, should not have even happened in the first place. Or at the very least, it should have been delayed further for proper mourning. There are actors and staff behind the scenes that didn't even return to the sequel because of Bosman's passing and them not being comfortable enough to return. But of course, the Marvel machine must keep moving. Tragedies be damned. And even though the movie had its strong points, it did have its strong points, I couldn't quite shake off that sensation that we really could have waited a little bit more before continuing the series. 
and the CGI really could have used a little more time to polish. I couldn't enjoy this experience as much as I wanted to, but Endgame created a giant five-year gap, and the longer they waited to make Wakanda Forever or said Black Panther sequel, the wider the plot gap would have been. Of all the properties in the MCU, Black Panther is the one that suffers the most from having to remain connected to the main timeline. And it really suffered from the decision made in Endgame to skip five entire narrative years to add to the weight of Thanos' snap. And I'm not sure how much the five-year gap was weighed in when deciding the future of Marvel with Disney+, Plus, but boy was it a misfire. But we have to go back to Avengers Endgame. Was it a good film? Yes. Was it a proper send-off of certain characters? Yes. Did this movie feel like a giant piece of fan service above a good story? Also, yes, which doesn't always spell a bad movie. However, Endgame created a dilemma in the midst of Disney trying to establish the ultimate finale to a long-running cinematic series, they created a problem that remains unresolved. That damn five-year gap. To Marvel slash Disney, the only way Endgame could topple Infinity War's grandiose tale was by creating the biggest doomsday scenario, by establishing the most outlandish and most dire narrative imaginable. Thanos succeeding, half the universe actually disappearing, and the world actually falling apart was quite the ballsy move, and throwing in time travel to allow our departing heroes to finish their story arcs was also a clever idea. Even Thor got to fix the gaps from his awful awful Dark World movie with a very sweet scene with his mother. That was one of my favorite scenes in the theater. But this is a horrible, horrible idea if you are planning to continue this narrative after Endgame was over, particularly if you weren't going to actually cover the five years. Now, one can argue, why didn't they spend Phase 4 or even more of Phase 3 to cover that gap? Because, well, actors gots to be paid. It makes no sense for Phase 4 to take place immediately after Infinity War or take place between Infinity War and Endgame if there's no Iron Man or Captain America or Black Widow. Phase 4, without all the other characters you disappeared for a shock and dramatic effect, makes little sense since most of those actors were already on contract. You're not going to have Tom Holland chill in the sidelines for like 5-6 years not giving him a movie because you made him disappear you know, in the previous film. Basically, Marvel wrote checks they believed they could cash, but have realized that they're struggling to do so. Marvel wanted its epic finale and then continue with an entire phase as its epilogue. And just a couple months after all the emotions of Endgame, we had a Spider-Man movie about a summer vacation gone haywire in Europe featuring a villain that invented a fictional concept of a multiverse as part of a master plan, only for the concept of the multiverse to actually become a thing in the entire following phase! And the phase after that. The upcoming one. Phase 5, whenever that starts. We went from, there is no multiverse, Mysterio made the whole thing up, to the concept of the multiverse being in Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Loki, and potentially an Ant-Man with the upcoming film. So not only do we have several storylines occur occurring simultaneously to keep track of, now we have the multiverse idea emerging and growing legs 
further complicating the MCU narrative going forward. I have to buy a whiteboard in order to keep track of all these events because I'm getting lost. And I'm someone who enjoys Marvel. So imagine people like my parents who just casually watch it and having to try to explain to them all these things going on. They're just going to give up on everything entirely. It's all too much, too fast, and without much time to recover and analyze the previous film or show. It's also led to exhausting storylines that's overloaded on the drama. Back to the Black Panther saga, from Civil War in 2016 to Wakanda Forever in 2022, we saw the then-king get murdered, his son capturing the terrorist but then being ousted in a coup shortly after, coming back from the dead and reclaiming the throne, only to have to protect the homeland from foreign invaders being led by Thanos. Then T'Challa shockingly disappears for five years, then reappearing only to die afterwards. Shuri loses her father, brother, and mother within six to seven narrative years while having disappeared for five years herself. At some point, these comic book movies stopped being fun, and that five-year gap created plenty of new opportunities, but primarily on the very dramatic and tragic side. MCU's current state is a mix of narrative decisions with unexpected consequences, colliding with Disney stretching the brand very thin while battling multiple battles, whether it be in cinema or in the streaming wars. They wanted to overtake Netflix while remaining king of the box office, and it was a very costly battle that also damaged the brand. Without Disney Plus having to become an instant success, Falcon and the Winter Soldier could have been a full-length film easily. Same with Hawkeye, and to a lesser extent, Loki. Loki in particular, with a better budget and more time for the CGI to be polished, could have been a very excellent and unique sci-fi mystery and a proper introduction to the multiverse concept, as opposed to just, you know, MCU just flirting with it a little bit and far from home and no way home. Just having the MCU and Disney Plus should have been enough, but instead it got stuffed with shows you had to watch in order to maximize your enjoyment of the films. It was a rather cruel idea, and it's why the Phase 4 movies like Multiverse of Madness felt so disjointed, even if it's had its strengths. Arguably, the best of Phase 4 was actually Shang-Chi, but it was because it had the least attachment to the Disney Plus content, and allowed itself to tell an entire cohesive origin story without branching out to the other IPs until the end credits. And also had an excellent villain and had the best fight sequences in the history of the MCU. So shout out to Shang-Chi. That was a good movie. So how could all this have been avoided? How could we have avoided this mess? By killing Thanos sooner. Chapter Chapter 3, our our sponsor. sponsor. I'm I'm sorry, sorry, guys. guys. I have a script to sell. Saitama has become the strongest hero in the entire world, but it leaves him utterly bored. Not even his budding friendship roommate and his understudy, Genos, is doing anything to bring him any sort of satisfaction and motivation. The fights are becoming boring, he's getting no attention from his colleagues and the public, and his crippling depression seems incurable, until he comes across Mr. Santana. Mr. Santana is an inspiring businessman and the son of the CEO of a mega-popular television network that specializes in news and reality shows. Through a few twists of fate 
and new secret technology, Mr. Santana offers Saitama the ability to trade all his powers and become basically mortal again, while transforming Mr. Santana himself into a powerful being. With the trade and power levels complete, Saitama has a new lease in life as a weak but happy nobody working the shipping yards, while Mr. Santana confidently rises the ranks as the most popular and powerful hero in the region through his newfound strength and his television show ideas. But the underground Sears that predicts future destruction sees the biggest threat imaginable, an unknown entity that is about to level Saitama's home of Z-City and even threaten all of Japan in the coming days. This threat level hasn't been seen since the mysterious android that killed Genos' entire family. But with Saitama's powers now belonging to someone who may not even want to face the threat, and a Genos who lost his sensei and doesn't feel prepared, who can possibly stop this upcoming catastrophe? One Punch Man, a loose adaptation of the ultra-popular manga from the writer named One and illustrator Yusuke Murata is a feature-length screenplay written by Milton E. Mousepin and available for the low, low price of $5 million. Please, I want to own a house someday, or at the very least a condo. Alright, back to the podcast. Chapter 4. Who should have killed Thanos? I know there were dozens of writers, producers, directors, and executives trying to come up with the big finale for Phase 3, and the departure of some of the heroes that jump-started the MCU entirely. I'm sure they went through hundreds of potential scenarios as to how everything was going to play out that would still line up with the contracts and plans for the future. Maybe Thanos is killed in Wakanda, and as a result, the Infinity Stones fall to the hands of the Avengers, setting up Phase 4 as an internal clash of ideas on what to do with them. Maybe Thanos succeeds and makes Iron Man and Captain America disappear, setting up Phase 4 that way with their unexpected deaths and the next generation having to avenge their passing. Except there's no five-year gap this time. Either way, Infinity War, as excellent as it was, really was undermined by feeling like a giant epilogue because of the cliffhanger, similar to the also-awesome, and I will always defend this movie, Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest, which was also not allowed to stick the landing because they didn't let Jack Sparrow actually die when he really should have died. I'll argue that movie another time. But how great of an emotional win would it have been if after all the carnage and tragedy caused by Thanos ends with someone giving him the death blow and preventing him from finishing his task? Or how wildly tragic would it have been for him to succeed while dying, taking down Captain America, Iron Man, Vision, Black Widow, and whoever else with him. Infinity War had so many chances and opportunities to stick the landing, and it just simply wasn't allowed to. So once again, who should have killed Thanos? Who should have killed him on Infinity War? And my answer is the one who kills him in Endgame. Thor. Thor should have killed Thanos in the movie, as it not only completes his story arc, but would even potentially signal a shift in the character himself. Thor, in the span of a narrative month, loses his father, loses his kingdom, and had to kill his sister and cause the Armageddon in his own home planet, all while recovering from a broken heart. Then, after Thor and his people started searching for another planet, Thanos comes in and kills his brother and half the population of those he is tasked to take care of. 
Thor has lost just about everything. All the control him and his family used to enjoy while ruling Asgard is pretty much gone. So who better to not only kill Thanos, but also jumpstart the race for the Infinity Stones? In my third act, a weakening and dying Thanos will still use the Mind Stone to scatter all the stones... The Mind Stone to scatter the stones... That was a lot of S's there to scatter them all over the universe as a final desperate act to see if someone else can complete the quest he failed to finish. Thanos dies, and through a secret spell, the Mind Stone ends up back with Doctor Strange on Titan, who uses his abilities to make it back on back to Earth with the Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Nebula. My version of Phase 4 would have been the galactic treasure hunt for the stones, which opens all sorts of new possibilities, especially as Earth will maintain a target in the universe for as long as Doctor Strange possesses the Mind Stone. Thor will leave his people in Norway as he pursues them in hopes of building a new planet for his people. The Guardians of the Galaxy will permanently add Nebula as they try to recover from Gamora's passing. Of course, I still have acting contracts to fulfill and goodbyes to create. So Steve Rogers will ask Doctor Strange to go back to his timeline where he can spend his life with Peggy Carter while giving the shield to Falcon, similar to Endgame. And then Tony Stark will donate all his tech to the one main person he trusts, James, a.k.a. War Machine, as he finally settles with Pepper Potts in a secret location in another country. To me... If it were up to me, I don't let Thanos accomplish the snap. Especially as the main heroes are played by actors on their way out. It just opens Pandora's box of future plot issues. Which is what we're seeing right now. So my phase 3 ending would have been Thor saving the universe with his new weapon. But also emerging as a potential future threat. As he begins his bitter quest to find the stones for himself. After losing just about everything in his life from home to his entire family. I think that angle would have been fun to consider. And what would stop the MCU from giving us Kang the Conqueror regardless? He could also join in on the hunt while also becoming the villain to usher in the multiverse concept that we're about to see in the upcoming phase. I personally enjoyed Endgame and Infinity War, and Phase 4 to me hasn't been an irredeemable disaster. It's not Rise of Skywalker, guys. <laughs> Loki was a darn good show. WandaVision was 50% of an excellent idea that just wasn't executed well in the finale. And of course, Sam Raimi went off the rails during the insane final act of Multiverse of Madness. The zombie strange sequence is top tier MCU filmmaking and top tier filmmaking overall. But Disney trying so hard to defeat Netflix and the box office budget created a two-year laundry list of content that was overwhelming to viewers and overwhelming to the production staff, leading to situations like broken scripts, poor CGI, and uneven results blended with ongoing controversies from Hollywood contemporaries rallying against the concept of the MCU and Disney's approach to blockbuster filmmaking. I'm positive that the way Marvel got stretched thin along with how poorly Pixar's content was being treated were the primary reasons for Bob Chapek's departure and the return of Disney daddy Bob Iger. He has a tall, tall task ahead of him, however, 
but with rumors of a reshuffling of the production schedule and a more focused look on how much material Marvel is making are good signs that we might be turning a corner in this problem. Maybe Iger sees the problems that Chapek didn't see. Maybe Feige, Kevin Feige, needs to lose some power. Maybe the phase needs to avoid Disney Plus altogether, except for Loki. That show can keep going. In the end, Phase 4 was a failed experiment in over-delivering and expecting way too much out of your audience. It was a greedy move to toss shows and movies with connected plot lines that requires your full attention and a full wallet for full enjoyment and basic understanding. Further complicating it was the decision to create a five-year gap from Infinity War to Endgame, with fulfilled contracts that wouldn't even allow us to go back to the past to explore what had happened, which is a strategy being done perfectly well in the Star Wars side of the, Dis of the Disney branding universe. Shout out to Andor. But Iger is back, baby, and it might be returned to Phase 3 greatness under his careful control. But please, Iger, no more giant narrative gaps. Always let the viewers see tomorrow. And Iger, please, no more Trevor. We, we, we don't need more Trevor. He's Leave him in Shang-Chi and don't give him any more space. Please. Please. So no, we cannot go back and allow Thor to kill Thanos in uh, Infinity War. No, we're not going to have evil Thor searching for the stones, as what I would have loved to have seen. And no, we're not going to be able to go back into the past and explore those five years where all the heroes had disappeared. But it doesn't mean that the MCU is done. This is not DC. This is not Warner Brothers. There still is hope to turn things around. And now that we're under Bob Iger, it just very well might happen. But as I've said, it requires more respect of the audience and more respect of the people that make these films. And I really do hope that Disney takes its time in telling this really grand story that's never been done before in the history of cinema. They have done something special and it's still not too late to continue the special ride that it's been on, even if it has had a few rocky years. But it does require for them to go back, see what it, where it went wrong, and for them to respect the audience and respect the people that make these films and give them the proper time, space, and budget and resources for them to tell proper good stories, the same good stories that we had fallen in love with for such a long time. For those who survived this journey of complaints towards Marvel, I salute you. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear other lengthy dedications to making good art above maximizing those profits, you'll find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you can find me on DIAC1987.com. As always, special shout out to OC Remix for providing so much excellent music. Happy holidays. Have a safe New Year's. See you in 2023. Don't forget to help your neighbors and to register to vote. Take care. Ciao. 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 Happy New Year, guys. May 2023 be better. Watch Jessica Jones Season 1, guys. Don't forget. Don't forget. You don't have to watch anything else. Just Jessica Jones Season 1. Please. You'll thank me later.